Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au What a great joy it is to be in the house of God to hear His Word. That's why we're here, to hear God's Word. We've got a, a special speaker today. We've got Jeremy Leone. He's going to come and share the Word of God. For those that don't know, Jeremy has been helping with the youth and the young adults, and it's been great to see him grow and flourish and in the worship team. Uh, but he's moving to America. He's going to America uh, this week. This is his last Sunday with us, but he's going to share the Word of God, and I'm sure that God is going to bless us through what God has for us. So give him a warm welcome as he comes up. Come, Jeremy. How are we doing, church? Thanks, Pastor Joseph. Everyone good? Thank you, band. You guys are awesome. Why don't you give the band a hand as they take their seats? Man, we're so blessed in this church to have such good worship. Amen. Man, the music, we could just go on forever because God's presence just moves and He speaks through the music. Amen. Man, it's really, I'm so used to just preaching to 18-year-old kids. <laughs> so this is very different for me, very out of my comfort zone. But um, this is nothing short of a miracle of what God has done in my life. If, if I had tried to do this five years ago, I would not have lasted a second. But God is so good. Amen. And He's so faithful. And uh, it's really an honor and it is a privilege to be sharing the Word of God. I just feel the weight of the presence of God and carrying this Word this morning. And I really just believe that God has a Word uh, in store for this season in our church. Um, and I think, you know, more than ever, the church needs to be equipped for what God has called us to do. Amen. We need to become strong disciples of the Word so we can bring it to a world that is so lost in this day and age. Um, so what I really felt on my heart this morning was to preach a message kind of in a season that God's brought me through in the past few years, um, really just in an intimacy with God, learning to, ha learning to I guess, hear His voice, um, be close to Him, and also learning to um, see what God has for me, the call of God on my life. So um, if you take a note this morning, the title is already up, very nicely designed, love that. Michael Giovelli always does a great job. <laughs> um, but if you take a note, the message this morning is, Lord, send me answering the call of God in our lives. So if you've got your Bibles on you this morning, you can open them up to um, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8 is the text we're going to be reading from. Everyone happy to be in the house? Nice and early. Who's had their coffees? That's good. Not yet? All right. Some people, some people can do coffee in the morning, some others. It's just how the stomach moves sometimes. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> All right, so we're going to start from uh, Isaiah chapter 6, and we're going to start from verse 1 to 8, but chapter 8 is the text, but we're going to start from verse 1 this morning. So, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they, f they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of the voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook at the temple, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live, with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken the tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth 
and said, See, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sins atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. So why don't we just bow our heads, we're just going to pray, and we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come into this room and speak to us this morning. Amen. Thank you, God. We worship you, Lord, right now. We just thank you for this time, Lord God, and we just want to focus on you, Lord God. When we are weak, Lord God, you are strong through us, Lord, and we just put you at the center of this morning and of this day, and we ask that you would come and speak a word in season, Lord God. You know every need. You know every heart. You know every season that we're going through right now, Lord God. We just pray that ears would be opened, Lord God, that eyes would be opened to to see what you want to do in our lives this morning, Lord God. We just bind and we come against every attack of the enemy that would try to deceive us or or rid of of the words that you want to bring into our hearts this morning, Lord God. We take authority in this moment, Lord God, to speak your word with boldness, Lord God. Jesus, would you equip your disciples this morning for the call that you have in our lives, that we would see miracles done in this world for your kingdom. Lord, would you move in a powerful way this morning? We need you, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. Everyone said? Amen. Man, I don't know about you, but every time I read the Bible, I'm so inspired by, you know, the, the, the guys that have gone before us. I think of Abraham, I think of even Joseph, I think of even Jesus. Like, I think even preparing this message, we look at Instagram, we look at sermons to kind of look for, we look through the Word of God. These guys had nothing. They literally had the Holy Spirit walking with them. Some of them didn't even have the full Word of God. I think they had the Torah, some of them, that's all they had. And they were just walking with God every day, just God just speaking to them, and it was powerful, right? And, you know, they all had their moments in life. We know all the stories. They, they struggle with different things, but God used them in such powerful ways. Amen? And what we see in all these different characters like Joseph, like David, like Abraham, like Moses, is that God really does have a preparation season for those who are willing to answer the call of God on their lives. And I think that's powerful that God is so good. And God has similar tests for all of them to test their faith, to test their character, and ultimately to see if they have trustworthy hearts, to see if they um, can do what God has called them to do. So what I want to do this morning is unpack um, four kind of different stages that we see in the Word of God that God uses to shape us and, and grow those people in the Bible, but He also uses those stages in our lives today. Our God is the same back then as He is today. Amen? Amen. So if you're taking notes this morning, you can write down that the first stage is the battle. And that there is a battle for our lives and that there is a battle for our souls. And if you've ever read, you know, even the first four chapters of the Bible, and I would imagine that like everyone's read those. And I think of like when people do like New Year's resolutions, they're like, I'm just going to read the Bible. And then they're like, they kind of get it going for the first 15 days of January. And I think that should cover like at least up to Genesis 4. So everyone should kind of know this, right? We see at the start of the battle in Genesis is that we see it goes right to the beginning with Adam and Eve, right? We see Satan tempt them and there's a battle for the soul of humanity right there. And who knows, we have that battle in our lives today. And I think before we understand why we're in the battle, for me, I need to understand the context of what's happened, why, why we come to this point that we have to be in the battle for, right? 
And we have to understand that Satan was hanging with God. He was actually um, the head worshiper in heaven. And he challenged God for the throne. And God wasn't having a bar of this guy. He's like, I don't want you anymore. I am God. You are not God. So it says, God says that he fell like lightning from heaven. This is what it says. Luke chapter 10, verse 18. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. How crazy is that? God is almighty. He, he will not be defeated. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Let's go. Come on. I'm used to preaching to youth. They're a bit more rowdy. So if, you're, if you've got some youthfulness in you, try and just grab it out of you this morning. Amen. Cool. So right then, we, see the, we almost see the beginning of the end for Satan, right? He came to just destroy this earth, and we see the beginning of the end. And in Revelation, we kind of see the last final day of Satan as well. It says this in Revelation 20, verse 10. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I'm just like, praise God, because I can't stand this guy at all, right? But here we see is that we see the beginning of the end, and we see the final day of Satan, right? And the reality is, Satan is in like the fourth quarter. He's in his last round and he wants to take out as much as he can. And the reality is, he is so angry at God. He's so jealous of the kingdom of God because he is not part of it anymore. He lost his chance. And so what he's going to do in his last quarter is he's going to try and destroy everything that God created. And guess what God created? The things that he loves the most. That's made in his image. It's us, me and you, the church, even those who are lost. They're all made in God's image. And he's going to do his best to misguide us as the church. And he's going to do the best to confuse our minds. So one, we never accept Jesus Christ, the Lord of our Savior. Two, we completely walk away from our faith. And if he can't get us to do that, he's going to try and bind us with fear and any other thing he can think of. So we remain totally ineffective for the kingdom of God on this earth. And we never fulfill the calling of God on our lives. And we just pass through this life. Nothing happens. Nothing changes. We still make it to heaven but we haven't made any difference on earth, right? I don't know about you, but that makes me so frustrated. I'm like, oh my gosh, every time I feel attacked, I'm like, why is this guy trying to destroy me? Why is this spirit trying to destroy me? Can't he just like sit in a corner by himself and just do his thing? No, no, no. There is a real battle for your soul, whether you like it or not this morning. So how do we win this battle? How do we win this fight? James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And to resist the devil this morning, I, I used to get confused with this as a kid. So to resist means to actually push back, to push back against the enemy. Be, who knows that you can't push back with your own strength, right? You need to push back with strength. And the strength that you receive is when you spend time with God in prayer in the closet. When it's just you and God, he, tees, he tells you secrets so you can be ready for the battle. When you're spending time in the Word of God, you're learning the truths of God. You can then use that to push back against the enemy. Amen. We need to learn to meditate on His Word. See, if we don't do this, the battle's happening whether we like it or not. And if we don't do this, Satan's just going to come straight for our weaknesses and he's going to do whatever it takes to break us down and we will have nothing to resist him with. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And if we look at Jesus, he had a preparation time as well. And uh, Satan tried to tempt him in the wilderness. Who knows Satan actually knows the word of God? He probably he knows it better than a lot of us do. He spent time with God in heaven, right? And he tried to use the word of God against Jesus in, in the wilderness. He's smart. He knows what he's doing. He's not a guy to be messed with. He needs to be taken seriously. 
And so how did Jesus resist and push back in these circumstances, right? It says in Matthew 4, 7, Jesus says, It is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Then again in verse 10, he says, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So we need to be equipped for the battle this morning. We need, we need to know the truth of the Word of God, and it needs to become ingrained in our heads, right? The Word of God says, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen. Anyone in here been set, set free by some of those truths in the Word of God? And the reality in life, whether we like it or not, we can either just become prey to Satan's traps because we refuse to engage the battle, so we're just going to get hit by, hit by the battle, just keep taking back or we can learn to grow stronger, learn to put on some spiritual armor, get some bicep curls going for our hearts and our souls and start to fight against the enemy and see a victory like we sung this morning. Amen? Amen. All right, so now that we've understand, understood the battle, we also need to understand the cost. So if you're writing down notes, the second point is there is a cost. There is a cost for almost everything in life today. Amen. Who knows that more than ever, petrol, there's more of a cost today, right? Actually, I saw it this morning. It was a bit cheaper. Praise God. But I see a lot of people, family and friends these days, saving up to buy a house. And that's a, such an interesting process going through that. And I think, you know, today, guys in my generation, we might have to be saving up to our retirement to buy a house, how much how expensive it is these days. But, you know, there's a process in buying a house. There's a cost involved. Again, I haven't done this process yet. There's not a lot going on in the bank. But what I have seen from people who do buy houses is that, you know, they see the house online on a brochure. They're interested. They go on the website. They go to the house. They see what's going on, see what they like. And how cool that is, but then you have to, you know, open your phone, see how much money's in the bank, <laughs> and you're just going to see, yep. All of this has got to come out if I've got to purchase this house, right? I remember when I bought my first car, I think I was in 1920, and I had 12 grand in the bank, and I saved up 12 grand to buy the most Italian Japanese car I could find because <laughs> I couldn't afford to buy a European car. So I bought a Honda Civic European model. Praise God. But I remember just that money coming out of the bank and I had, I think, 800 bucks left in the bank. I was like, man, I just got to go back to work and just work for the rest of my life to get this thing cranking a bit more. Amen. And in the same way, when we save up for a house, we save up for a phone. Hello, Live Youth. I know we're saving up for phones. If we don't accurately count the costs of the item or if we don't know the value of the item, you're going to get a rude awakening when you have to get that check out of the bank or you have to tap, swipe, chip, whatever you do these days. You're going to have a rude awakening when you have to make that purchase if you don't understand what's going on. Why? Because the value of the item was far greater than what you had understood, had expected it to be, or valued it to be, or even the price was too high that you wanted it to be, right? And the reality is today in our Christian lives that there is a cost for following Jesus. Amen? And that cost for following Christ is clearly laid out for us in Scripture so we understand how much this is going to cost and how much we have to prepare in our hearts to give to God. So it says this, if you've got your Bibles, Matthew 16, 24 to 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross, follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Luke 14, chapter Chapter 14 from 26 to 33. So therefore, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. I had to break it to you, but that is the truth that's going to set you free this morning. Sometimes the truths, and we don't want to hear the truth because it's a cost. Amen. Right? 
So the cost of Christ, what is it? What are we what are we reading from these verses? The cost of God to following Christ is going to cost us everything we have and everything we are. We look at the disciples. Majority, I'm pretty sure only one of them lived, died of old age. All of them were martyred for following Jesus and died because of their faith. And today we we struggle to give up our Instagrams to follow God. These guys were cutthroat. They were they were losing their lives. They did some you 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 look up the ways they all passed away. They were intense. And we would think, man, how is that? Is that the God we serve today? That's the cost. But in the natural, I think it all looks the different phases of things we have to give up looks different for all of us. For some of us, it's going to have to be dreams we're going to have to give up. It's going to be our aspirations. And I know for me, some things are easier to give up than others because I think sometimes in our lives, the things we have are so connected to our identities that we have to give things up. We also have to give up a part of our identity, right? And so other people, it, I know some things, but for me, it's hard to give up my pride. It's hard to give up my ego. It's hard to sometimes for us give up our fake personas, how we try and impress other people, our fake identities. Who knows that all of us can get caught up in that sometimes. It's an absolute mess. And it's hard to lay down. And the, re- the reality today is that, you know, we, we, we pay for so many things. We count the costs because we understand the value of different things that we're purchasing. We understand the value of a car. We understand the value of a house. And the reality is today, I don't think we understand fully the value of God. I don't think we understand how valuable, how worthy, how holy He is. Because I think our eyes are just so blinded and we're deceived to understanding who He is. We don't understand His worth. I don't know about you, but I need revelation daily of the holiness of our God so that we could fear Him with all reverence and we could love Him and we can know Him as our Father and as our King. The cost of God is never going to be on the sale rack. You're never going to find it. You're either paying everything off or you're paying nothing. And we see in the Bible, even in our modern day, we see so many people fall away from the church. We see so many people fall away from their faith. And you see them doing so good for the things of God. I don't know, they're in in church doing great things and really building in their faith, building in the Word of God. And then what happens is that God puts a test in front of them to test the character of their heart. And because they're not willing to give a part of their heart up to God, they're not willing to give it all. And don't get me wrong, it is tough, but this is the cost. And sometimes we, we fail to give it up. And what happens with these people is that they start to fall away because you can't be with God and not, and not follow the costs. You ha- the cost is with Christ. You, you can't have two separately. And we live in, I think we live in a church today where we pretend to worship God because it looks good, but we're also not willing to pay the cost with this lukewarm Christianity. That, that's, that's total deception this morning. We see it in Scripture. Uh, it's so awesome. We see the story of the rich young ruler. I'm sure many of us know that one in Mark 10, 17 to 22. We see this guy come up to Jesus. He says, Lord, I've done all these things for you. I've, done, I've obeyed all your commands. What do I need to do to receive eternal life? And Jesus, he's just an absolute weapon. He just sees straight through people. He doesn't even need to have a conversation with this guy to understand exactly what's going on in his head. And God, so Jesus in all of his nature can see the real God that this guy worships. And it's not Jesus. The following his commands is not for him. It's for himself. And Jesus can see that the money of this guy's bank account is his real God. And Jesus challenges him. He says, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. And it says, at this the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. Isn't that, doesn't that just cut you to the heart? Here he was. He was ready to commit. He went up to Jesus. I don't know how he had the guts to do that. He said, I'll give it all. I'll do whatever you, whatever you say. 
and then give me your money. Oh, I just don't know if I can do that. That, that's tough. It's tough, but it's the reality. It's the truth in our lives. I know sometimes even in my life, God, God has challenged me and God's had to keep getting me around the same circles until I pass that test. Who knows anyone ever been there in their lives this morning? Amen. So what's the cost for you this morning? It's going to be hard to let go of some things for sure. It's going to be difficult, but who knows what, what, we, re, what we get in return is so much better, so much more worth it. It's eternal life. It's the call of God in our lives and it's strength. Amen. There was a cost for everyone in the Bible who was willing to follow God with all their lives. I love what Paul says in Philippians 3.14. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I'm pumped for that day. Anyone with me? Anyone pumped to see Jesus, to hear those, those faithful words? Good done. Good and well done. All right, so the next stage, if you're taking notes, is the wilderness. The wilderness. There's a wilderness season for everyone who chooses to live for God and chooses to answer the call of God in our lives. And the wilderness stage is where some of the greatest work is done in shaping the human heart, in changing the human heart, in renewing the human minds. The aim of the season is to rid anything in our lives that will try to hinder us from growing closer to God and what He's called us to do. See, this season is to develop our character so we can handle what God has called us to do. But more importantly, this season is so that we can come to an intimate relationship with God and how, he was meant, how life was meant to be back in the garden when we were just walking, Adam and Eve were just walking with God day by day. That's where God wants us to be ultimately is just intimacy with Him. But the wilderness season is where the pruning, the cutting, the forming and the developing and the conditioning are done. We look at the life of Joseph. He gets some great dreams from, from God. You see in the Bible, he's with his brothers, gets some great dreams, and he's so young, he's so innocent. He starts telling his dreams to his brothers, and they're just they're so upset because he, he, this, he got the favor of God in his life. And um, what do they do? They sell him. They sell him as a slave. He becomes a slave to Potiphar. Uh, Potiphar's wife gets attracted to him. He has to flee sex, sexual immorality, the poor guy, which finds him in jail for two years. How good? How good's the call of God? Awesome dreams, and we're going to jail. We're going to a slave. Praise God. So good, right? We see Jesus, right? Goes through life 30 years. So good. He gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. Says the Holy Spirit depends on Jesus like a dove. So good. So much promise. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased, God says. Then what happens? Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Yes! <laughs> you're just like, it's like when you're like back at like the, the AFL boys who they're back and they're getting pumped. They haven't, they're not on the field just yet. They're training. And you're just like, man, I'm so pumped. They're just going to go out. Jesus is just going to go out. Once he's baptized, he's going to be doing some great things. And what happens? Joseph just got some great things in store. Boom. They just get led into a wilderness. Like, oh my gosh, what is going on? But who knows that the Holy Spirit is the one that actually leads us into this season. He's lead, he leads us in this season too. It's not just for those guys in the Old Testament. And sometimes in the wilderness, it feels like God is not there and His presence is nowhere to be seen. I don't know if anyone's ever been in that season, but God, God is there, but sometimes it, it feels like He's not around. But being in the wilderness means that you're being developed. And how did Joseph become the man of God that he was? It was the wilderness. The wilderness changed him. The wilderness shaped him to become everything that God has called him to be. In the wilderness, weaknesses and fears can be dealt in the dark instead of in the public spotlight for others to criticize and speculate over who you are. The wilderness kills entitlement and it teaches us inheritance. 
The wilderness kills our pride and it teaches us patience. The wilderness kills our selfish ambition and it teaches us vision. I don't know about you, but the hardest thing in life sometimes is just to try and be ourselves. It's just to figure out who, who we are, who has God called us to be. And we just get pulled in so many directions because just the way life is to try and change, to try and become someone else. And we're such a, we live in a generation where we're so lost of pure kingdom identity. And what the wilderness does, it kills our insecurity and it teaches us kingdom identity. Amen. The wilderness kills the ungratefulness of not having enough so we can be thankful when we have more than enough. Amen. The wilderness is where our minds are renewed to how God created us to operate and how he called us to actually see the world. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. When you think of a plant, it needs to be buried for a season, right, to produce fruit. Sorry, Uncle Joe, I just spat a bit on you there. <laughs> and the reality of a plant, speaking of you, you do some great great growing of plants. I'm sure you know this process. And it's not a pretty process what goes underneath the ground. That The seed gets planted and you don't see it for a long time. It's in its wilderness. It's in its hidden season. And that season cannot be rushed. And it's a crucial time. It's the soil that leads the right amount of moisture, heat from the sun and pressure it takes in producing a strong and healthy plant. Because once it's grown, it needs to have those roots developed in order to handle all the elements of the world that's around it, right? So this season cannot be rushed and you need to yield to the process. You need to lean in to the hard time. You need to lean into the cutting away of what God's doing for you. If you don't yield to the process or if you opt out of the process and you try and you know, manufacture your own ministry, you try and manufacture what you think God wants you to do, you try and do things on your own terms because you don't really want to go through a hard time, you don't really want to go through a process of being stripped away of different things, the reality is that you won't be able to handle whatever you're trying to manufacture very long because you're not going to have the character, you're not going to have the spiritual maturity, or you're not going to have the emotional maturity as well to keep whatever you're trying to manufacture. Has anyone ever been there? I know I've been there trying to just shortcut things in my own life, and it never works out. You always end up learning, landing flat in your face, and God's like, come on, man, like, just come back. You're good. Just come back. His grace is sufficient. Amen. You know the time old saying, charisma may get you there, but character will keep you there, right? I want to stay in the presence of God. I don't want to impress people with different things. I want to be in the midst of God and doing exactly what He's called us to do. Amen. God is not preparing you for just a few years of living out your calling. He's actually preparing you for what is necessary for the rest of your life, and He's transforming our hearts for our destiny and for our eternity. He's not transforming you just for a few years so that you can do some things and then go back to the way you were living before. This is a total change of heart, a total change of life. You're walking completely the other way and there's no looking back. So the last destination, the last point this morning, actually this is a great scripture, I'll share this. Zechariah 13.9 says, This third I will put into the fire. I will refine them like silver and test them like gold. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say, they are my people. And they will say, the Lord is our God. Amen. So if you're taking notes, the last point this morning is the destination. After the wilderness season, there is always a destination that we come to. If we look at the story of the Israelites being uh, delivered out of Egypt, we think so many times that 
the Word of God says that He delivered them out of Egypt so He could bring them to the promised land. How many times we, we just think that straight away? Came there to bring them straight to the promised land. That is, that is true. That is definitely true. But there's another part of that story that is more, uh, more potent than what God is trying to say. This is the whole reason God led them out of Egypt. It's found in Exodus 7 verse 16. It says, Then say to him, The Lord, the Lord, the God of Hebrews has sent me to say to you, Let my people go so that they may worship me in the wilderness. And the reality is that the promised land is a promise for them to take hold of, for sure. But the primary reason that God led them out of Egypt was that so that they would worship God. And how many of us chase the promises of God more than the promiser, amen? Sometimes we can get stuck in the trap of chasing the blessings of God rather than the one who is actually blessing us, right? Sometimes we don't actually want God, we just want what He has. I can't stand people who treat me like that, but yet I do the same thing to God sometimes, right? And I love the heart of Moses. I know Pastor Joe talks about this verse all the time. I think it's just ingrained into my head. It's Moses in Exodus 33. It says, Lord, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Because we, we want the promiser more than we want the promises of God. Amen? Because once we have the promiser, everything else is secondary and it's just going to come through. So there's almost two parts in this story of the Israelites. There's one is the first step is the destination is that we come to a knowledge of intimacy with God where we're just in so in love with God that, that our desire is in Him. We don't desire anything else. We're just so sufficient in being with God. And then the second is that because our hearts are so firm in God, so, so ready to just love Him, we're now ready um, and we then carry the capacity to be blessed and to be pushed into the calling because it's not going to take us away from actually loving God. No, no, no husband is going to give his wife a gift that she's going to take instead of him and leave him for dead, right? Well, I don't know, maybe some people do, I don't know. <laughs> but I would hope not, <laughs> right? Yeah. Anyway, I don't know a lot about marriage, so let's just leave it at that. But what I know is that God is never going to bless us or give us a gift that's going to take us away from him. He's never, he's never going to give us a calling that's going to replace him. God wants our hearts more than anything, right? The promise is always God. The promise is always intimacy with the Father. The promise is always the promiser. Everything else is secondary and will come once we align our hearts with God. And the beauty about God is that once we've come to a knowledge of Him, intimacy, God, you're all that we need, you're all that we have, I love you so much, is that He doesn't allow us just to stay dysfunctional, broken people with issues and just continue to be just ruining our lives. He heals us. He renews our minds. He renews our hearts. He brings up issues that we push down our whole lives, right? Because He wants the best for us and He wants the best relationship between us as well. But the reality is that this journey takes everything we've got. We see the Israel, Israelites fail time and time again. And what does the Bible say? They went around in circles and circles and circles. And majority of them actually died in the wilderness. And there were two that made it out. There was two. It was Joshua and Caleb. They had a different spirit. It says that they bring a good report of the promised land. God is after people with the spirit of Joshua and Caleb. And that's what God rewards. God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Amen. I don't know about you, but we, we still live in a generation of a two and a ten. The Joshua and the Caleb and then the rest of the world. I think sometimes even in the church, we live in a culture where we can choose to be part of the two or we can choose to be part of the ten. We can either be like Joshua and Caleb and enter into everything that God has for us 
Or as Christians, we can just go around in circles for so many years, stuck in the same traps, stuck in the same deceptions, stuck in the same offenses and the different issues in our pride and die in the wilderness. I don't want to do that. Anyone with me? But more than just making it through the wilderness, I want to know God intimately. I want to know his heart for my life. I want to know that he's my savior, my king, that he's my dad and he loves me. See, five years ago, I was really struggling with anxiety in a way that was really, really not just subtle anxiety. It was a lot of social anxiety. I would wake up, go to bed, and I would be anxious. Struggled with panic attacks for a lot. Struggling to get out of bed because I was so afraid of the day. I was paralyzed, just absolutely paralyzed by anxiety. I can't, can't explain it. Paralyzed and wrecked with fear. And in that moment, I didn't know what was going on. My world had just been totally rocked. It was like my soul and my, my mind were just in, in two different places. And in that moment, I had no one to turn to but God. Well, I had people to turn to, don't get me wrong, and I did, I did turn to them. But God has the answers. Only God knows exactly what's going on in your heart. Only God knows what's going on in your soul. And I said, God, I know my life is a mess. I don't spend much time in the Word. I don't spend much time in prayer. But God, I don't know what this is, but I need you. And, I, and I, whatever you can do to get me through this, get me out of this, I'm going to serve you for the rest of my life. And I need you desperately. And so from that day onwards, I would just start going for walks with God. At night, I would just, I don't know, I would just go for walks and I would just pray around the block, just, just talking to God. And God would lead me by this Holy Spirit in such a supernatural way, I can't even explain it. I got to know His heart. He would speak to me in powerful ways. He would lead me. He healed me in crazy ways. I just can't explain it. You know, our pastors do so, so much to help us. Counselors can do so much to help us as well. But it's the Holy Spirit that knows exactly what's going in your heart. He renewed my mind. And he's, again, like I said at the start, I would not have been here five years ago. This is a testimony of what God has done in my life. He's healed me, helped. Yeah, amen. All the glory to the King this morning. Come on. He's helped me defeat all panic and all anxieties. He's brought me to a place where, He brought me to a place where almost everything was stripped away so that I could know Him as my Father, my Creator. He's so good. He, he taught me the blessing of that the yoke is easy and the burden is light, that we're not meant to strive through life, trying to just muster up all these things to try and get by, to get through, to just get it by another day. He's not that kind of God. He's a God of blessing. He's a God of favor. He's not going to let his children just fail. And during that time, God really led me to start writing music. It's always been on my heart. I started producing in my little bedroom and, and God just took some of these songs into crazy areas of life I can't even understand because he wants to reach others as well. <laughs> because others, even in the church, I'm sure a lot of you are going through the same things that we, just, that we just hide down and we don't talk to anyone about and we're afraid to tell God about. But God already knows. He's just waiting for us to start the conversation. He's given me plans for the future, like Pastor Joseph said, heading to America for a few years. And these are just things I can't even try to manufacture. I try, try to even work out on my own. God is just so good. But I know that it started years ago. Just praying to God. I'd go for walks up to Penfolds. We live around McGill area. And there's this one block that overlooks the city. And I remember one night just struggling with panic, struggling with anxiety. And I just said, God, I don't know what's going on. I need you so bad. And in that moment, he healed me. 
And I was like, this is, this is so weird because if anyone struggles with panic or anxiety, that stuff doesn't just go away in a heartbeat. It takes, unless you're on some, some different stuff, but, <laughs> but, it, but it doesn't. And God spoke to me in that moment. He said, I can either take this away because I'm that powerful or I can bring you on a journey to teach you what's going on in your heart and I can give you the strength to overcome it and defeat it. If I never teach you this lesson, you're never going to learn the strength of this season and you're just going to be an undeveloped Christian. Or I can bring you through this season, put some muscle on your shoulders, on your biceps and get through this so you can help to heal others and bring them on the same journey with you. So I want you to know that God has a plan for your life first and foremost. You are not an accident. You are not a waste of space. I don't care what anyone's told you, what your parents have told you, your grandparents. I don't care what's in your generational family. Our God can break everything and renew everything, right? You are created with purpose. You are created with value. This is the truth. Sometimes we get so stuck in our, in our pride. Woe is me. I'm, I'm, I'm a victim. And don't get me wrong. Some of us are, are victims is the reality but you cannot stay there. The wilderness is not a destination. The wilderness is just a moment. No one gets on a plane to stay on a plane, right? You get on a plane because you're going somewhere. You can't stay in your mess. You can't stay in the circles in the wilderness. You have to keep going. But in order to feel the purpose that you have, you need to seek after God first and foremost. I read this great quote the other day and it says, there are two great tragedies in life. The first tragedy is those who God calls impacts their life, but for some reason they choose not to follow God. They reject His repentance, call their salvation, and they don't receive eternal life. The second greatest tragedy in life is those who do choose God. They choose to follow Him repentance, but choose to continually live dysfunctional lives without God and not in a way of like rebellion, but never really being changed by His Spirit to be called what He's called us to do. I don't know about you, but I want to be changed by the power of God so I can do everything He's called me to do and everything that He's created us to become. Why don't we stand as we wrap up this morning, church? And the reality is we, we, we need grace because we're broken people, right? We're broken. We can't be smashing each other. You're doing this wrong. You're doing this wrong. We need grace and we need truth in the finest balance. And God is that perfect balance. He is so good. And you might find yourselves... In one of those four points this morning, you might find yourself that you're really struggling in the battle. Today is the day to get in the fight, get in the Word of God, get in the prayer closet and start to do some real spiritual battle for the kingdom of God. Start writing, start putting a Bible verse on the screensaver of your phone, just simple stuff like that. I printed off a sheet of my identity in Christ, which just has about 20 verses about my identity. And I just put it next to my bed and every time I would go to bed, I'd just quickly read those and your mind starts to become renewed. There's a cost. You might be in the cost this morning. Today is the day to start laying down your pride and start to repent of the things that you're not willing to let go of. Your freedom is on the other side of repentance this morning. You might be in the wilderness and you're struggling to just have that spiritual endurance. Today is the day to continue to say yes to God. Whatever the cost is, you might lose some friends. It doesn't matter the cost. It doesn't matter the wilderness. Just keep putting your head down. Take every day as it comes and let God lead you. Or you might be in the destination. You're heading into what God has called you to do. In all of these things, in all of these stages in life, God is the only one who is faithful to see you through. You cannot do this on your own. Trust me. And this morning, some of you might be asking the question, what do I need to do to be used by God? Does anyone want to be used by God this morning? Does anyone want to be used by God?
So what's the first step? I love the, pa- the, the, the passage of text we read this morning. Isaiah has a vision of God. God does a deep work in his life. And he says, God, ask the question, who shall I send? And today God is asking you and me the same question. Who, who's who's going to follow me? Who's going to answer the call of God in my life? Who, who, shall, who shall I send? God is looking for young men and women, old young men and women. doesn't matter what age you are. He's looking for you and he's looking for me and he's asking you the question, whom shall I send? For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And Isaiah, in purity and heart, understands everything. He understands the call. He understands the cost. He understands that these days are only going to last so long. Eternity is right around the corner. It doesn't matter how nice your job is. It doesn't matter how nice your house is. It's going to be gone in 80 years tops, 100 years tops. We're going to have to answer for what God has given us. And that's, God, would you move right now? That is the journey where it starts. It begins the prayer, Lord, here am I, send me. And when we pray that prayer, God will speak to you. And when He speaks to you, do everything you can to obey His voice. And that's my challenge for you this morning. What will you choose to do with the life that He's given you? Because only you can make that decision. Your parents can't make it for you. Your husband can't make it for you. Your wife can't make it for you. Your girlfriend, your boyfriend can't make it for you. Your church, your pastors, your counselor can't make it for you. It is between you and God and you and God alone. And more than, and as well as for us, the world is in desperate, dire need for you to become everything God has created you to be because we live in a world where we are broken, we are messed up, the world is falling apart and God needs strong disciples who are ready to stand up in the battle of life and take up the shield, take up the sword and start fighting for the kingdom of God. God's healing is in this place this morning. Sometimes we want the healing, God, heal me instantly. No, 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 God wants to take us in the journey. The healing is sometimes also in the journey where we have to walk it day by day. It's going to be painful. It's going to be tough. I don't want to eliminate or, or, or cast down anything that we've been through. We've been through stuff. But today is the day for salvation. Today is the day to make a change, to choose God again, no matter what the cost. So the band's going to lead us in an item this morning. It's a new one off, off the Bethel album called, called Send Me, and it's just wrapping up this whole sermon this morning. So if you're ready to be used by God in a powerful way, just pray that prayer. God, here am I. Send me. And pray that prayer every day, because every day we have to make that decision for God. We're faced with battles. We're faced with so much rubbish in the world. We need to make that decision every day for God. Amen. Amen. The band's going to lead us in worship and... Uh, Take it away. Thank you. Bless the church. I know that God's spoken to me this morning. I'm sure He's spoken to you. I sense God has spoken to each and every one of us that we have a calling and that God wants to send us. You know, we may be the only Jesus that people we know will ever know in our workplace, in our homes, in our community in our schools. We may be the only Jesus they'll ever know. And God sends each and every one of us. We want to pray for Jeremy. Um, 
It's His last Sunday with us. Uh, and He has spoken the Word that's been so real. He's been so open and so real. And you know that it's from God that He's spoken to us today. And we just want to believe that God's got a magnificent future for Him. That He's already gone ahead of Him. And so we want to pray together as a church and to allow Him to release Him for God's ministry. Let's pray. Lord, maybe extend your hand towards Him. Lord, we just thank You. We thank You that You're a God that loves. You're a God that speaks to our lives. And Lord, when You speak, Father, we want to hear. And Lord, we know that there's been a calling on Jeremy's life. And as You've called and as You've spoken, He has said, Here am I, send me. Send me. And Father, we pray that wherever he goes, as he heads towards America, Father, to Atlanta, Lord, we pray that your blessing will already be there, that you have prepared a place. Father, that you've prepared the work that he's going to do and that he's not alone. He is, you are with him and we are with him, Lord. Our prayers go ahead of him. Our prayers are with him. When he finds himself in difficult times, Lord, our prayers are going to lift him up. You are going to lift him up, Father. And Lord, we pray that your blessing, whatever he speaks, Lord, will be words that come from you. Wherever he goes, every action he does will be an action that you have provided for him that's going to bring glory to your name and is going to bring victory in people's lives. Lord, use him as a mighty gift, Lord, as a mighty powerful tool for your kingdom, Lord that He may be used in a greater way to a new level in you, Lord, that He will grow in greater things that He will never be able to do anywhere else. But because you have sent Him there, He is going to grow and mature and do greater things for you. And Lord, we just thank you for that. Thank you for the yes that He has given. And Lord, we pray that you will bless Him and guide Him and that you will give Him the victory every day, Lord. And we pray your blessing in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. The Lord bless you. Go and and bless others in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.